that's a way to really get your curiosity to say, if I knew I couldn't fail, what would I do? And then just close your eyes so you can shut your visionary senses down and then just go on a glorious journey and answering that question. host and Emily Ken. And before we start with today's show, please remember to visit mindset.zone. Yes, instead of .com, it's .zone. There you can find all the episodes and other amazing resources, all at mindset.zone. Today, our special guest is Connie Kandinsky. I know Connie for more than 10 years, and I had the pleasure to share the speaking stage with her a couple of times. Connie is a master certified coach who excels in supporting salespeople to get their asking gear and overcome sales call reluctance. Welcome to the Mindset Zone, Connie. Thank you, Anna. And let's start with that word that not everybody is very familiar with, or what's called reluctance. So sales call reluctance is the emotional hesitation to proactively prospect and self-promote. And I love uh, that definition, short and sweet, emotional hesitation to prospect and promote and now we'll argue that it's not just salespeople will have it, correct? Oh, you're so right. Anytime somebody needs to promote an idea. So if somebody's in a meeting and they have an idea and they're a little bit unsure and the idea could really move the conversation forward and they default and not share, that is reluctant. And exactly the same emotional excitation. And do you think why are people, is a fear is what are the dynamics behind it? Well, it is fear, and fear is a mental response to a perceived threat. So nobody's going to get punched in the nose, right? It's not going to be a physical threat. It's an emotional threat. And uh, we're putting ourselves out there, right? And so oftentimes that threat seems real and we choose to default and be quiet and not move forward, not reach out, not attempt to engage in a conversation, not share an idea. And uh, when did you start to be interested in this? Oh, Anna, I was in a sales position and I was taking a nap at two o'clock in the afternoon and I could not figure out what was the deal. And I was motivated and goal oriented and I don't know what I put in the search engine and it came up with this sales call reluctance and I ordered this best selling book and I'm sitting on my couch and I'm going, oh no, this is me. I have this sales call reluctance. So I became interested to overcome my own call reluctance. And in your case, what did you learn about yourself 
that was like the behind the scenes making you avoiding or excitating to do the calls that you are under prospecting that you are supposed to be doing? Well, Anna, there are 16 types of call reluctance. And so I suffered and experienced one is called social self-consciousness. So I was a little blue collar kid. And my mom, one time in my little brain formula, planted in my head that there are some people that are superior to us. And so my little brain thought, oh, okay, so I'm not quite as good as other people. So I was reluctant to reach out and talk to high level people because of that underlying fear of being socially self-conscious. Very interesting, because for me, I find sometimes that reluctance to picking up the phone because it's easier to just to send the email or be, be I, I don't know, is uh, there is an, as, and I see this in my clients too, that for when we are prospecting and when we are business, doing business development, it's so easy to get behind the email sequence or the web page uh, or the web form and not just grab the phone and call people. Do you find that in other coaches and consultants too? Yes, because telephobia is one of the types of this sales call reluctance. So using the telephone to proactively reach out to engage someone. And Anna is the easiest one to overcome. Uh, Tell us more. So how do you (laughs) overcome that one? Well, the telephobia is oftentimes it's because now we don't like people calling us. However, because of the pandemic, the phone is back in style. <laughs> and so the what I do with my clients, and it's a proven technique and it's called sensory injection and we use an essential oil because when we smell something we instantaneously can change what is going on in our brain instantaneously so with my clients who have telephobia i'm simplifying this greatly is to get some kind of a scent essential oil that they like and when they are ready to pick up that phone and they are having telephobia and fear, they smell the scent because they have aligned it with something that is pleasant. They smell the scent, they pick up the phone, they make the call and it's it's on its way and they're overcoming that reluctance. I love it. I never thought about that, but it's the power because we sometimes forget we are very aware of visual stimulation, very aware of uh, audio stimulation and even the kinesthetic one, but we forget the power of the the smells in general, the aromas, all the things that is wired neurologically to go to our primitive part of the brain. And the memories can be triggered, positive and negative so that is very powerful using a pleasant something or an aroma that is relaxing or soothing as the trigger to change our attitude of doing something that we are reluctant about. Yes, I had a client, a male who loved to golf. He actually found a scent that smelled like cut grass. <laughs> Wonderful. 
And it's incredible that small shifts that allow us to open doors. And that is because you are a master coach, you do this work with sales teams for so long, but you always have this curiosity in you and you are helping people to be curious about themselves, correct? Oh, yes. Curiosity is an emotion and most people think it's an intellectual exercise. No, it's an emotion. And I always use the quote from Albert Einstein. He said, I am neither clever nor especially gifted. I am only very, very curious. So the asking the question to try to find out found out why. Yes. And we have a beautiful example with Columbo. So he was the detective that many of us watched as children and people can always go to YouTube. And he was so effective because he was curious and it was the way he was curious. So tell so, us a little bit more about it. Well, so for example, one thing that I notice with my clients is there's there's a red flag when they f first start talking with potential clients and a red flag comes up and it's like they ignore it instead of just getting curious. So for example, if somebody is inquiring about their service and the prospect says, you know, I'm interviewing five people just like you and the salesperson just like, oh, okay, just, and they don't say anything. Instead of just getting really, really curious and saying something like, you know what, I'm curious, what are you hoping to hear from me that you haven't heard from the other people you're interviewing. So that's just one example in getting your ask in gear is just get curious so that it doesn't come back to bite you later on in the sales process. And I think this attitude you can really cultivate in different areas in your life because now thinking back to what you said in the beginning when I asked when did you find out about the, the call reluctance in yourself or sales call reluctance, you were curious enough to search something on Google to try to what is going on here. And then you found the book, you read the book, and then you were curious to know more about that assessment enough to become certified and uh, now be one of the experts in this field. And you are always curious about what different people are doing there that match this or a different thing. Yes. And curiosity makes life so much more interesting. And people say, well, how do I cultivate my curiosity? Well, Number one, you just really need to listen. And also, when you think you know something, no emotion, certainty is an emotion too. And sometimes salespeople that are seasoned, and I have this with many of my clients, when they're first meeting with their prospects and they start hearing things, they immediately know what to do and how to do it and how to move this person forward. And they blow it because they do not get curious about this individual and what is this from a deeper meaning place with that prospect. And so they try 
try to move the prospect too fast through their process without listening for the meaning of why that prospect is interested or warmly interested in what they have to offer. So if they embrace more that curiosity mindset, it's like even if their guess is right, they can uh, confirm through a question and through the curiosity attitude by I just thinking that uh, something uh, and allow the other person to confirm or to uh, to steer them to in the right direction. Yes, for sure. And Tommy Hopkins, one of the most beloved sales trainer in all the world, and he was special in real estate. He said, when it comes out of your mouth, they doubt it. When it comes out of their mouth, it's true. Mm. And so to be able to listen our prospects into discovery and disclosure, because when we really get curious and listen to a deeper meaning, our clients, our prospects, I should say, and clients, they're saying things that they've never heard themselves say before. And so that is why it is so important. And so we're not only moving our sales process forward, we are creating tremendous value for our prospects. So that searching of that deeper meaning and the listening, uh, really listening, being curious, that sounds a lot like uh, cultivating emotional intelligence. Tell me more. Let's start with what people maybe are more aware of. It's a lot about the soft skills and a lot about uh, social intelligence of being aware of the the small cues that can tell us a little bit where that the person is. Yes. Thank you for clarifying that. I call those the meta skills, right? The skills that are beyond the, the skills that, yes, exactly. Yes. And Anna, the people that have sales car reluctance, oftentimes their mindset is self-centric. So it's all about me, right? Do they like me? Am I doing okay? Is Instead of really focusing on the prospect. And so one of the keys that I share is when you're ready to pick up the phone and punch in your numbers, just say to yourself, this isn't about me. And and again, is that curiosity? This is not about me. And if they embrace the curiosity, I'm curious about what is going on in the other person. What are their challenges? What are the opportunities? What are the things that make them tick? Then becomes a more pleasant conversation. Yes. And I'm curious if I have the skill to engage this individual into a conversation. I worked with a recruiting company and with their new recruiters, they would challenge them to keep somebody on the phone in a conversation for three minutes and just really practice that and and take the focus off of themselves. And just like you started today, Anna, and I've listened to other podcasts, is you talk to people like, how did you get into this, right? And people are delighted 
excited to tell you and to share with you. And now they're just connecting with you and you're off and running. And uh, what I'm loving about this is because what we really are speaking here, curiosity can be an amazing powerful antidote for fear. Many times we don't do something out of some kind of fear. Fear of what other people are going to think, fear our own ghosts, our own inner critical voices. So a lot of times we are behaving a lot based in the negative energy and a lot is fear-based. And if we bring curiosity, that emotion of curiosity that you are described into the picture, then we are bringing a positive emotion that if you are curious, is more difficult to let the fear grow. I love it. I've never heard that before. And it's true. Curiosity is an antidote to fear. Yes. And just to start getting curious, if you're driving down the street and you see something peculiar and you have time, go explore it. I was hiking the other day and under this desert bush was this huge box that was very peculiar and out of place. And I went over and I got curious and I didn't open it up. However, I reported it to the park rangers, right? And they were going, oh, okay, we will go take a look. So I never found out. The reason I bring that up is people say, well, how do I start getting more and more curious? And there is a book by Brian Grazer, and he's a movie producer. He is a partner to Ron Howard and produced many, many beautiful movies and and he wrote a book on curiosity and it is it's a really good read and you can also listen to it and he talks about how to create that cultivate that curiosity that it took him from a nobody that he got front and center with some of the most prevalent Hollywood stars and that's how he developed and got into his movie producing business so tell us again you, his name and the, the name of the book, if you remember. So it's Brian Grazer, G-R-A-Z-E-R. And it's if you just Google Brian Grazer and Curious Book, you'll come up with the title. <laughs> okay, I will do it and make sure to add this afterwards to the show notes here of the episode, because I think we are always looking for our next book to read. And this one sounds like a great one. Yes. A Curious Mind. That's it. Yeah. The Secret to a Bigger Life. Ah, you got it. Yeah. Brian Grazer. I love it. And I love the cover. So absolutely. So and how do you... Walk your uh, your talk about this. How do you cultivate curiosity in your life? Well, I have a value of the love of learning. So I just will consistently learn. And just recently, I'm learning about polarities in coaching. And so just listening to a lecture and then stopping it and trying to integrate it into something I'm dealing with. And 
And I'm also reading a book, two books by two different doctors, and they're saying the era of the expert is over. We need to start integrating. So that's just an example. And then I just get curious about how people are developing their business and what they're doing. And so I listen to podcasts and I listen to people like you, Anna, and just really in whatever I'm interested in, I really look to the people who are the movers and shakers and listen to what they're doing and their ideas and how they're going about things. And it's wonderful. So, and when you have a, a, a question, you are curious about something and you have a question and you don't find the book and you don't find, how do you go about to uh, ask for Do you go, because another thing that you are very known for is that put your asking gear. So how do you use the asking with your curiosity? Well, Google, Google. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I am creating a website, invincibleoptimism.com. And so I Google today op optimism and pessimism, you know, because there, there is, there's a polarity there, right? And so... This morning, I was just researching and reading about what is optimism and what is pessimism and just getting really, really curious about the differences. And one of the questions is, what is the positive result of being pessimistic? And so I've been walking around all day today, like, what's the positive result of pessimism? There has to be an answer because There is a positive to being pessimistic. So I haven't discovered it yet. Yeah. And uh, um, or I, I can give brainstorm an idea there is like because curiosity is amazing and open doors. But there is also the other side. Curiosity killed the cat um, <laughs> in the sense that, uh, yes, curiosity can help us to overcome fear, but then we can become a little bit too daring and there is consequences sometimes if we don't take precautions. If um, I, I always uh, like to use the, um, the image as a mom when we have a baby, when we bring the baby home that we are child-proving the house or somebody that has a, a pet, they have to pet-proof the house. And it's better if you do that from a pessimist kind of, because you are looking around thinking what can go wrong, not what can go right. <laughs> if you want to prove the house for accidents, that the probability of them to happen are very, very small, but you want to be prepared That's a that's a good point for sure. And I seem to always hang around with people who are really good at preparation. So I have a tendency to be ready, fire, aim. Love that. Ready, fire, aim. And I'm more the style of aiming, aiming, do I am ready? And then fire. And I always, uh, because I, I really like this metaphor uh, and the, uh, of observing people, mainly in the entrepreneurial online world, I arrived to the conclusion that our original tendency, if we are more perfectionist or more go-getters, is not really what determines our success. What determines our success here is be able to get into the like kind of a rhythm So if you are ready, fire and aim, 
Then if there is a moment that you evaluate the results of your aiming and then get ready, fire, aim again, is that um, balance between uh, the feedback loop and do it again? And in my case, it's okay, I aim, aim, then ready, fire, and then I measure and then get it more in the in the rhythm of the action and testing and evaluating an action again. I, I think that is what leads us to achieve things. And uh, I think, uh, like the topic seems to be curiosity, I think be curious about, for me, it helps me to be curious about, okay, if I try this, what is going to happen? And I can have the best theory, but I'm only going to know if I really try it. And then with the results, I can become curious again. Yes, for sure. I, I tried something and I made the biggest boo-boo. I mean, I it was a high-level person and I got them on the phone and it didn't work, right? And I'm, I get off the phone and I'm like, oh! And in, immediately I thought, okay, there are 8 billion people in the world and I just embarrassed myself with in front of one and it's no big deal. 15 minutes from now, he's going to, or five minutes, he's not going to remember me. And so it's kind of like um, just learning from failure and choosing a different approach. And so, you know, with the, with curiosity is it is we do have to have a balance. However, I think that for somebody like me is just to take a deep breath before I do something, just at least one breath instead of just moving, moving forward. So. And yeah. for for others, it's taking the breath and go for it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You know, it's kind of like one of my favorite questions that I ask my clients, if you knew you couldn't fail, what would you do? And, oh, usually they just start talking. And so that's a way to really get your curiosity to say, if I knew I couldn't fail, what would I do? And then just close your eyes so you can shut your visionary senses down and then just go on a glorious journey and answering that question. I love it. So if our listeners are curious to learn more about you, where they should go? Well, exceptionalsales.com and then also LinkedIn. So I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, thanks to you, Anna. And uh, I any kind of connection there. And uh, please feel free to give me a call at 602-380-5431. And, you know, the telephone being back in style is people will answer their phone. Some people, I mean, they're just dead set on not answering. I mean, it's so funny. I was talking to a sales trainer. She goes, I'm not going to answer my phone. It's just salespeople, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, there are salespeople and I just love the, to be able to have a conversation and you never know what you learn. And Anna, you're like me. Everything is a learning experience and there's always a gift or an opportunity in any kind of outreach that we do. Absolutely. And as long as it's not a machine, I will enjoy speaking with somebody. So uh, be curious and go out there and making a difference. Thank you so much for your time today. Oh, Anna, thank you for having me. Expanding possibilities. 
Thank you for listening and remember to visit mindset.zone. Yes, instead of .com, it's .zone. There you can find all the episodes and other amazing resources, all at mindset.zone. As always, I'm so grateful you are here. Expand what's possible for you, for the ones around you, for the world.